Hello, and thank you for joining me again for 2020 Blood, Sweat and Tears. This is the podcast where we talk all things 2020 with a different guest each week. In a year of huge personal change, I'm keen to understand the individual experiences of 2020, the personal, the professional, the upsides, the downsides, and all of the important issues that we've been thinking about. I'm interested in it all, and I hope that you will be too. My guest today is Joe Jackson. Joe left school at 16 to complete his apprenticeship in carpentry, qualifying as an 18-year-old. He then spent the next 15 years as a sole trader working on both commercial and residential properties, and he also spent time teaching carpentry at a local college. Three years ago, he set up his own business, which specialises in residential property development. Carpentry runs in the family. His dad and brother are both trained carpenters, and they often work together on local projects. Joe lives with his wife and two young sons in Hastings, East Sussex. Conversations around the dinner table are never boring with Joe. He's clued up and always happy to share his perspective on the topics of the day. So I'm really glad he's got a bit of time to speak to me about all things 2020. In this episode, we talk about the effect of lockdowns on businesses and individuals, the role of the media in 2020, and the ability of our government to limit the freedoms of its citizens. Joe, thank you so much for joining me on 2020 Blood, Sweat and Tears. You're welcome. In England at the moment, we're currently in in lockdown number two of the year. How are you spending it so far? So number two is um, not much different to normal life for me. Um, Having small kids, we don't go out drinking that often anymore. We're, uh, We're spending a lot of time in parks, playing with the boys stuff like that. I mean, work work for me, I work in domestic properties as well. So this time round, we're able to sort of kind of carry on. We're allowed to carry on as we were um, before this whole thing started, obviously with social distancing and um, proper precautions. Um, so work for me has probably um, been a really a real saviour because I get to sort of see people day to day that others may not have. Not have. So that really does help. Um, yeah, so 2.0 lockdowns kind of um, been a bit of a breeze compared to the first one. When when the lockdown, when the original lockdown came through, and you were limited to the amount of time you're allowed to spend outside your own house, I think everyone all of a sudden thought, wait a minute, like wow, only an hour, or you know, of exercise, and, and I think people sort of grabbed that by the horns. And I do remember thinking, oh, you know. It's funny, you don't miss it until it's taken away. So um, I've been doing a lot more um, mountain biking. um, And that's kind of something that I I definitely hope to continue with. So how how do you think the way that you work, your job and everything has been changed by this year? I'd say... um, for me, it's, um, it's it, we've been quite lucky, like I said before, and our, our, the way we run our company is um, it, it's changed slightly in the sense that we have to sort of abide by social distancing rules. But um, compared to what a lot of other companies have had to do, is been you know quite minimal really. I think the first time round it was it was difficult. Well, it wasn't because everyone had to kind of stop. But um, the second time round, you know, we're our industry, they've allowed us to carry on. So um, I think we're, we're quite lucky, really, uh, compared to others. I mean, panic buying, 
I mean, it's funny because I, I, I wonder how many, what percentage of people actually panic bought. But it's funny how you don't probably need that many people to do it to have a massive impact. Um, and from our point of view, uh, like, um, you know, construction, so many people were buying um, materials and um, there was a lack of material from all the factories shutting down, especially, you know, imports and stuff kind of just disappeared that for a long a long time we really struggled to get hold of what we needed um so that was quite it was quite a um a task to carry on sometimes when you were kind of running out of material and you had no way of getting it so you know yeah, that's so interesting everyone really associates panic buying with people buying no, yeah. rolls of toilet roll and eggs in the supermarket Absolutely. not with actually things that yeah you need to yeah i mean plaster box. is plaster is probably the, the biggest quant like it was um you know a bag of plaster costs about seven pounds and um people were selling bags of plaster for over 50 pounds during the lockdown because oh it God. disappeared so it was like gold dust I think a lot of lessons have been learned from the way that things worked in the kind of first lockdown and which businesses had to stop and which could continue. But I mean, it did seem in kind of March time when things like um, advising everyone to work from home if they could and announcing of the furlough scheme kept um, some people had very clear options of what they could do with their businesses. But I feel like it was the case that maybe... Um, support for self-employed people or some smaller limited companies didn't really come until a little bit later. Uh, yeah. Do you think that's had an impact? Absolutely. The support that was put in place, you know, for furlough with employed people was pretty rapid, really, when you consider um, the sort of um, the tasks that they were set out with. But uh, it was, it's surprising how slowly the government have been to kind of recognize that there was a lot of people that lost out in that um i mean and, and again you know they they managed to do the um the self-employed um rebates and stuff relatively quickly but i'm an owner of a company so i'm limited which means i'm a director and um i mean i'm fortunate position that we were able to sort of um take out the bounce back loan that was offered and um utilize that a little bit but um, you still have to pay that back. So there's lots of people that have had to sort of essentially straddle themselves with debt. Um, and we are now in a position where we're trading so that, you know, that can be offset. But there's people that still aren't able to trade. The, the other thing as well, I mean, yeah. they, they say that, you know, it, the bounce back loan was underwritten. So the government would pay it back if you can't if you can't pay it back. But these are people's businesses, their livelihoods and, their, you know, they've worked really hard over the years so the idea that you know a lot of people might have to just give that up um because they haven't been given the the extra support that they needed by the government is kind of heartbreaking really um and i can see that happening to quite a lot of people yeah i think i think definitely and i think it's it's one of those things that obviously the government is trying to balance the you know not they're already borrowing a, a huge amount of money to to support the country through the crisis and trying to support I guess well I would say as many as many places as they can but I think quite a lot of people would disagree with that and how the kind of support has been has been divvied out between different areas different industries yeah we're a long way into this into this um, pandemic now and um, it's kind of 
inexcusable really to let certain sectors fall to the knees whilst others are getting maybe help that they don't necessarily need anymore so you know it i mean it's business rates for um for supermarkets is one of them you know they they, they basically don't have to pay their business rates at the moment um so they were getting kind of like a tax break um why are they not being made to pay for those business rates while say landlords of pubs or something like that where the industries that aren't actually allowed to function get more help they're not really getting any more help even though they've been forced to shut so you know um 2.0 you kind of feel like they could have catered they kind of just stuck to what they had the first time round, um with the kind of help that they're giving people and it, it doesn't really add up anymore obviously have two young children yourself how do you think they've have they understood what's happening this year do you think that they've been impacted it by it I know they're obviously very young yeah they are young but you know what it's funny because I think that um young children are, are quite um you know they're very aware of their surroundings and although their world might be a bit smaller than ours um they definitely pick up on things happening especially our eldest who's uh, three and a half during the um the first lockdown my wife, Fran, she was on maternity leave at the time. So they were going out a lot. They were seeing friends. And then they went from having all of that effectively daily to not being able to see anyone, not being able to, and, and you know, their grandparents waving at them through the window and not being able to mm. go and see them. Um, and you think, you know, so he, it, we had to explain it to him. And um, he was really good about it. But um, yeah, he definitely, there was a couple of occasions. There was a funny story where, uh, we went for a walk. We were taking our, our daily exercise and um, we were walking along the road and uh, we, there was a man um, the other side of the road. And he said, oh, we don't know that man. I said, no, no, we don't. He said, he might die just out of nowhere, you know. <laughs> so, like, you think, like, it's it's they they are they're, they're listening they're listening to the concept yeah. even if you're not even if you're not necessarily telling them directly about it they are more astute than you probably give them credit so um it was tif- i think it was quite tough actually for them i've got um i've got a couple of friends that have kids similar age to ours maybe a little bit younger and um they've had to delay nursery um mm. you know and their children or one of the friend in particular their child has struggled really quite a lot with going into nursery and I think maybe that yeah. extra nine months of being at home has kind of maybe had a detrimental effect with socializing with other children so yeah it, it is um it is a really like important developmental age as well like kids kids that are that young kind of before they go to school and I think that there'll be a lot of things similar to that that in the coming years maybe will be recognized as longer term effects of things like lockdowns that we don't really have any experience of because we haven't lived through it before definitely definitely and that brings us back to like you know is lockdown was lockdown necessarily a good thing the the, the sort of thing the, the um how it's affecting society as a whole you've got, you've got younger children that maybe aren't getting as much help at home as other children were and they're going to be set back now. Some kids' education would have carried on and, you know, parents would have been, you know, quite heroic in the way their efforts of sort of teaching their children. Other other parents might not have had the resources or the know-how and um, that yeah. will be a, that will affect them. There's no doubt about it. So, um, yeah, I think the younger generations can, um, will there'll be a 
a price to be paid and we won't know what that price is until years to come like you just said about the role of the media in 2020 coronavirus has pretty much been front page news almost every single day while at the same time so many other things have actually been happening i mean we're on the brink of leaving the eu potentially without deal the prime minister has had an extremely chaotic period of time in downing street with his close advisors do you think there's been a lack of scrutiny by the media on these issues compared to what it would have been and how do you think it's going to be detrimental yeah, I think um, I think if you're not really interested in current affairs, just a normal working person that, you know, maybe buys a newspaper on the way to work or just watches the news at the end of the day before you go to bed, um, you, you're definitely not getting the information from the news outlets that should be. And um, I think that you know, the the majority of people just want to kind of have easy, easy access to information that is important to them. There's definitely things that are important that have not been highlighted as much as they probably should have been. Like you say, Brexit is, um, is a really interesting one, because, you know, if we didn't have a pandemic on our hands at the moment, it would be the hot topic. That's all anyone would talk about. Yeah, this year, or, the, you know, the latter part of this year, we're, we're, we're creaking towards the end of it haven't got a deal yet and it's kind of like no one seems to even know or care at the moment and it's kind of remarkable really i've been thinking a lot about um where the future of uk politics is going to be in the next couple of years because i think it's been really interesting this year to see a conservative government and a conservative chancellor having putting so so much emphasis on on state funded support and i think that it actually potentially puts the opposition in a bit of a difficult situation i think that you're probably being a bit kind to um the government the current government i think that they uh, they were forced into a lot of the spending that they had to do um, and I think maybe in time, when time will tell, but I think a lot of money, I mean, huge amounts of money have been wasted to track and trace system just didn't work, didn't function properly. Um, you know, the, the money that they spent on PPE that never, never materialized. There's so many scandals out there. And again, I think this is, it sort of boils down to the, the news outlets being so worried about just the headlines of COVID. No one's really picked up on it yet. I don't think that means that it won't necessarily be picked up on eventually, but I think it's a bit behind the, I think the news outlets are a bit behind the curve on this one. Um, but yeah, on the flip side, they have spent a lot of money and they have, you know, they've kept people from losing their jobs. And that's to be, you know, that's, that's actually really positive thing that they have done um so yeah i think the opposition do have a, a hard task i think they 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 can't kind of like um criticize everything the government have done because they have done some some good things but i think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wasted money that you know typically speaking the tories are aren't too happy about spending money on the on um society in the first place so <laughs> it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how the the newspapers deal with that one do you think this year 
political parties in the UK and I guess around the world have missed a bit of an opportunity for things like cross-party collaboration and working together. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think you could even go as far to say that, like, um, this year has really put... um, um, a magnifying glass on the devolution setup that we have in this country in this country yeah. and um, why on earth we have you know different sets of rules for England Scotland Wales Northern Ireland it's madness I mean it would have shown leadership if if any of them were the ones that said look we need to be collaborative I'm, I'm sure whichever political party or whichever leader of whoever which side of the country decided to do that would have been looked on favorably favorably from by the public yet they haven't been able to do it and um it, it, you can't help but think that it's just politics it's just we're just doing something slightly different to the other guys because we don't want to be seen as following them and you think well this is a bit bigger than that and um it's disappointing to be honest i think it's um it has shown that you know collaborative devolution has got to be the way forward and um, it's 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 a trick that's been missed this time around one thing that's been really interesting for me this year has been the idea of the government um, being showing that it's really able to um, pass laws quickly and make change happen really fast if the government wants to do something and sees it as a priority and an emergency, it does have the power to to do things in exceptional circumstances. And maybe could that be applied to other other situations that we're in that should be considered emergencies and priorities where it's not? Not necessarily locking people in their houses, but <laughs> uh, you know, passing laws quickly, making big changes, all these kind of things. Well, uh, you know what? No, I don't. I think I think that um, the loss of liberty is probably one of the biggest um, gripes I have with this with this whole you know um, lockdown situation. Um, I think I'm not, I'm not and I'm, again, I'm not saying it wasn't necessary, um, but I find it quite scary actually when you really do think about it. I I, I don't like the idea of it. Um, I think that people you don't like the idea that the, the government do have the power to to limit people in that no, way. No, not really. No, and, and I and I completely understand why they've done it, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done either. But I, I, the sooner that we, the sooner we can have our our liberties back, the better. That to me, I think, should be one of the biggest priorities. I think you know, there's people don't forget that have been living in high rises and weren't only allowed to leave their house for a an hour a day to exercise i mean that is the same as being in prison basically if you're stuck in four walls and you've got a small bed sit that you rent and you're only allowed to leave the house yeah. technically you know for one hour a day that's that's a big deal so um i don't think those kind of powers should be accessible unless we really are in a real emergency which we were in So given that the current government's at the start of quite a long political term, when the next election comes around in 2024, do you think the coronavirus will be a distant memory by then? Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting one. I think that, yeah, I think it, I think it will. I think it will be for a lot of, <laughs> I think it will be for a lot of people like middle class, middle England, you know, 
it's financially quite secure. But I think there'll be a lot of hardship that will be felt. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are left behind from this pandemic. So uh, I think part of society, I mean, the gap might just get wider. There'll be people that will be fine and they'll just remember it as kind of like a, a weird year. And there'll be other people that have, you know, effectively seen their, their livelihoods decimated and, and they haven't recovered. Joe, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. You're welcome. It's been a lot of fun. And thank you for listening to this episode of 2020 Blood, Sweat and Tears. We'll be back again next time with another guest to talk all things 2020. Speak to you then.